hard on, on fitness and um, and the running game. That's what kind of led me to, to want this dream of being a, a racing driver. There's no point in time and anything except standards of excellence. We will deal with the Talton Cup if we're in it and we'll, we'll certainly give it every bit of respect. There's no feeling that beats playing for Ireland. My God, I'm going to do everything that is possible to bring us there. This is Sports Beat Extra. Continuing with today's sporting content, and we have an excellent lineup. We'll be looking into one of the hottest topics in the Premier League, focusing on the kickboxing scene in Waterford, and looking at two of the very finest athletes this country has ever produced. I'm Sean Connolly, and this is your Saturday Sports Beat Extra. Five counties, one big sports show. Sports Beat Extra. Kicking off with athletics, and in particular, Rashida Adeleke. She became the first Irish woman to break the 50-second barrier in the 400 metres, smashing her own Irish record by half a second. I'm joined by Will Downing, who lives and breeds the sport. Will, Rashida had hinted at making the move to 400 toward the beginning of last season, but I don't think anybody expected her to excel this quickly, did they? Yeah, I mean, she has been truly exceptional. It's been wonderful to see how she has been prospering so well in the NCAA system. A lot of athletes go there. A lot of Irish athletes have gone there Mm. and you can be chewed up and spat out. It's happened to a lot of names that we've known. There's some who've done very, very well, but then once they've graduated out of it, then they've kind of got lost in senior athletics. But she's been absolutely magnificent with the Texas Longhorns. It was the Tom Jones Invitational, which was on in uh, Florida a few days ago, and having smashed the national 200 and 400 indoor records last month, coming along and doing the same outdoors with marks that has her far and away ahead as being the fastest Irish competitor of all time 22.34 in the 200 meters, 49.90 in the uh, 400 obviously double that. She's a very good 100-meter athlete as well, but she's excelling in the half lap and in the one lap. And you look at the times that she's done indoors in the NCAA finals, by the way, in uh, 22.52 and 50.33. And she'd won the all of the relay medals with them as well. When you think about that too, she's been winning an immense amount of medals in terms of US athletics, the NCAA system. It's quite peculiar because in many ways, the collegiate system there is way, way bigger than the professional circuit, whereas here it's entirely the other way around. Like the the German university championships are not something that would make basically even in Germany make much of a ripple, let alone outside, whereas in the States, it is almost all geared towards the collegiate circuit. And like if you look at her times, 22.34 in the 200 metres, uh, a previous national record going back to the Cork City Sports, which I remember very well because I'd commentated on that on TV on the day five years ago. Phil Healy was 22.99. Now, Adeleke is already, what, three quarters of a second almost beyond that. The prior Irish record before Healy had lasted 17 years, which was Sarah Riley at the World Championships of Edmonton back in 2001. So there'd been a good rivalry between Adeleke and Healy over the past few years, and they very much driven each other on. You take the 400 metres, Adeleke with that 44.90, previous national record being held by Joanne Cuddy from another world champion. I'd been at that in Osaka in 2007, and that record lasting 16 years. Right now, there's there's nobody from an Irish point of view who is that close 
to Adeleke. Phil Healy, who uh, a couple of years ago had run a European lead over 400 metres. Her lifetime best is 51.50. Adeleke is now already over a second and a half beyond that. She's the first Irish woman to go inside 50 seconds. And then even in terms of the NCAA circuit, She's she's in the top three when it comes to 200 and 400, and she, but basically in the top one when it comes to their relay teams. Um, that, that's that's four major titles that she's picked up indoors, and now the outdoor titles are beginning to ramp up as well. So going to the states, a lot of people would these days advise against it because we've got a terrific structure now at home in terms of the university system, but it's worked magnificently for her. It absolutely has. And it's got to a stage where even at her young age, there's almost an expectation of record breaking runs with every single meet that she's attending lately, isn't there? Yeah, but it's one of these things where you just basically have to hold your breath and and realise when it comes to records, as we had to do with Usain Bolt eventually, that that every performance is not going to yield a record, a world record. You you had that brilliant, what, what it turned out to be a golden 18 months really for for Usain Bolt when he broke the world record in the 100 and the 200 and in the relays as well at the Olympics in 08, at the World Championships in 09. I was actually very lucky to have seen every single one of Usain Bolt's world records in the flesh, apart from the very, very first one, which was at the Jamaican Championships. So there were very few people who would have been at that. But from Edeleke's point of view, it's it's done a tremendous amount for a profile, but this is in the collegiate circuit. Now, if she can get into... Diamond League races, and if she's you know among the fastest athletes in the world, which at the moment she would be, then she should be able to get into a lot of Diamond League races. It depends, obviously, in terms of agents and things like that as well. But the better races she can get into in Europe, the ones which are shown live on TV across Europe, then that can only help her profile even more so. Absolutely. And I suppose, look, ultimately, she's looking to cement her stamp on Irish athletics and to create her legacy. But when we speak of racing legacies, we have to touch upon the great Jason Smith, the Derryman announcing his retirement from para-athletics at the end of March, closing the book on what many would consider to be the perfect career. He's the definition of a champion, isn't he? Well, it is the perfect career because he was never beaten mm-hmm. in a para-athletics race. 21 championships, 21 gold medals, not just winning every final, but winning every semi-final. And first round heat as well. And you consider that he went to, it was 10.16 seconds on the World Athletics, the IAAF circuit. He still holds in his category, the T13, which is the category of least visual impairment, but he's still only got about 15% vision. So it's a very high bar uh, in terms of impairment for you to compete in para sport. He was absolutely awesome. Obviously, I remember the final in in Tokyo, the most recent one, 18 months ago, where you had um, Afmani, who has emerged magnificently from Algeria, who ended up winning the 400 metres in a new world record and who pushed Smith the closest he has, I think, probably very much ever been in a major championship. Certainly at this stage of his career, when he's deep into his 30s, winning it in a photo finish, winning it by a hundredth of a second, his 21st major title, six Paralympic golds. And it would have been more, but for the fact that they don't compete over the 200 meters in the T13 anymore, just basically to to ease the schedule. And in a different kind of way to ease the schedule, that's why Michael McKillip has now ended up retiring because he's having to race against athletes from a category 
um, higher than him. So he's a more impaired athlete against most of the other competitors that he's up against now and was you know, finishing down the fields in terms of in Tokyo, was saying afterwards that he would hang up his spikes and then obviously going ahead and then doing that last year. A, a pity that we're losing Jason Smith in the track, but he is going to be a major development officer. And like knowing other countries and how they do para-athletics and, and talent spotting and para-sport, there are a whole load of those actually which are coming up around the country. And if it's something that anybody listening feels that they might like to give a crack, try a few sports out, see if they have any natural talent in it. That's how the Dutch have you know, basically unearthed some of their greatest athletes right now. They've got the 100 meters world record holder. They've got the long jump world record holder. And I think they've got a new javelin champion as well who originally tried out in the hurdles and then turned out she was actually very good at throwing things. And actually vice versa as well. I think it was Marlene van Ganserwinkel was trying out on the javelin. And then they found she could run very fast. So then she became a sprinter. And it was simply a talent day, talent spotting. So I think Jason Smith will have a little bit of a role in terms of that as well. But I mean, what he's done in terms of you know bringing para-athletics and para-sport in general and the Paralympic Games into the public consciousness on a, on a yearly basis is absolutely quite magnificent. Because I, I remember the first time that he'd won those golds in 2008 it was not live on Irish television that year. And then from Beijing in 08 to London in 2012, that very much was live on Irish TV all day, every day. And he did his magnificent double in what will be the closest we'll ever come to a Paralympic Games or an Olympic Games in Ireland, realistically. And doing the double there in front of a full stadium at the Olympic Stadium, 80,000 each night. And hearing our own Levine twice over in front of a huge domestic TV audience, nothing's ever going to come close to that, I think. I couldn't agree more. And on that, we shall leave it. Will, an absolute pleasure to chat as always, my friend. Sports Beat Extra. Beat 102-103. Kickboxing is thriving on the island of Ireland and in particular in County Waterford. Sean Barrett is the brains behind Phoenix Mind and Body Performance in the county and he is nurturing the next generation of talent in the region. Sean, Following an extensive range of competition over the last couple of months, your stable has recently competed in the international series in Malta, namely the immensely talented Dara Didi. How was the event as a whole? The event was great. We were treated really well. Um, there was over a thousand people live at the show, uh, which was uh, nerve-wracking for Dara himself. Uh, for us only, only have three fights and to be offered uh, an international like that in front of a thousand people, it's 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 mind-boggling really how did he get on in the night i suppose with the amount of people that were there the the level of intensity did he just brush it off because we know he's an immensely talented fighter absolutely uh he took it in a stride to be fair uh, he was unlucky on the night to get a two to, two to one decision against him but I, fe- I felt he won um it was his first time going out and throwing the knee with the k1 and he just absolutely peppered around with knees. He just he took it in a stride. He had his father travelled over to Malta with him. I think that really spurred him on, just keeping that a little bit grounded. And following on from that excitement in Malta, are eyes firmly set on upcoming events? Absolutely. We have uh, two of them in, in mind at the moment. We have uh, Munich, which is the ISKA uh, World Championships. That'll be in October. 
And before that, we're bringing a, a stable over to Scotland, over to Aberdeen on the 2nd of September. That outing in Scotland, that's an opportunity for an even younger crop to test the waters. How are the groups set? Uh, we have uh, four children from the age of 8 to 12 years old going over. Amazing. Um, one, uh, Dylan Hayes, Joni Hayes. Uh, we have Stephen White and uh, Patrick Morrissey all kind of local to the Kilcone area, which is where the gym is set. So that's really, really good that we're able to push out the, the local talent. Um, Dylan and Joni will definitely be ones to look at. They're pure grassroots, like never did anything before. And to be going out onto an international stage like that is, is just amazing. Um, then we're actually, we have Dara forward for Scotland as well, and Amy and a couple of her adults. Well, that's wonderful. And it's a testament to the work that you're putting in with all the kids and really, really helping to grow the future in the country. But you're also heavily involved in the professional game at this time, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, Keen Burke is, is after going from stride to stride and professional. Like He had um, his first professional fight. He, he fought the best heavyweight in the country on five days' notice. Um, unlucky not to get the nod. And then again, on a week's notice, he fought the best at his weight in the country. And that guy, uh, and his name's Liam Devaney. Liam Devaney just last weekend won the European title. And Keane was there once again in the fight, the entire fight. Uh, unlucky to get stopped in the second. But at professional game, like you're, you make any mistake, you're going to punish it. And that's what happened to him. But uh, two weeks ago, Keane himself was out. And uh, once again, and he had someone at his own level. So like both guys had three fights going into the professional fight and Keane stopped him within two minutes and 38 seconds. A sensational development, especially at such short notice. One thing I want to look at, because outside of the gym, you're a well-known advocate for assisting charities. And I believe you're now targeting a specific mental health organisation. Yeah, so um, Mick Whelan and his uh, team uh, over in Health and Safety uh, they they run workshops throughout the uh, construction industry because there's a high suicide rate in the construction industry from their uh, research. And they approached me and asked me would I sponsor the, the workshops. And then I have the online program there, so I, I discounted the online program for them. And that's for their entire workshops because I believe if you're going to something like that to actually focus on your mental health, fitness is going to help your mental health no matter what you do, like whether it's out running or walking. If you're feeling a bit down, get outside, get get moving, get active. So it was just my way of, of being able to help him. Well, that's a tremendous cause for you, and that's fantastic that you're getting on board with that. But it's not just that, is it? What can you tell us about your work with the Frontline Project? So we're currently in, in, in talks of bringing in uh, a couple of groups every Friday. Okay. Um, we have one guy at the moment uh, who has who has come from the Frontline Project and he, on the same uh, card as Keane, uh, two weeks ago, had his first fight. Uh, he's managed to turn his life around. Uh, this guy, um, he will talk very openly how he was in and out of rehab since he's 16 years old uh, due, due to drugs. And he's completely done a full 180 on his life, uh, focused in on the kickboxing. And uh, we gave him his first fight and he, he was unlucky and once again got a two to one decision against him. But he did absolutely incredible. And his he trains nearly six days a week. Like he's he's really after doing a full 180. I can't I can't describe what I would say about uh, this guy. Like wouldn't do him justice. 
you'd have to see his story and uh, he does put it up on his online and stuff and show the transformation in 18 months of what he's done and he he's even said to me like uh, Sean this is the, the longest I've ever been sober and I'm really loving it so to be able to take in guys like that and especially with the youths um, like there is a, a prevalent um, use of the drugs within our youth at the moment so if I can give an outlet in any way shape or form I'm going to do so. And if anybody is listening right now who's in that unfortunate position and they might want to get involved, what do they have to do to reach out to you or to get involved in this program that you're doing? Um, well, they can pop into the uh, the Shy Centre in, in, John's, uh, in John's Park. The guys will help them out and they can get involved with uh, myself that way or they can come directly to me on any of my social medias. I'm always very open. I, I respond very quick. Uh, my phone number is up on, online as well. You can just give me a call and I'll, I'll, I'll respond as soon as I can. An absolutely tremendous cause and one that speaks volumes about your character and I suppose the overall character in Phoenix. I look forward to watching the growth over the coming months and we'll catch up soon. Five counties, one big sports show. Sports Beat Extra. September marks 20 years since Malcolm Glazer's ownership stake in Manchester United was made public. Now, since that time, the club has undergone a rapid transformation from perennial powerhouse to one that is fighting to reclaim its identity as the Premier League heavyweight. Approaching the end of last year, the Glazer family confirmed that they would be open to a takeover or possibly an outside injection of funds that would be in exchange for a partial stake of the club. Now, one man that's reporting from the front line is Tipperary's Dale O'Donnell. He's the chief editor of Ireland's largest United fan site, Stretty News. Dale, I'm curious, with a mixture of reports circulating about the sale of this titanic football club, what's the latest today? Well, the latest today is that the Glazers are selling the club. Um, there has been some whispers that that they might stay and they might get some outside investment and a, a kind of minority kind of share from an American fund. But um, Sheik Jasm, the the Qatari um, individual who was interested in buying the club, he's confident in buying the club. So. I think right now it looks like it's a bidding war between two main candidates who have been at the forefront from the very beginning in not just being Sheikh Jasm, but Sir Jim Ratcliffe um, of Inuos. And they're, they're very interested as well. But whether they have the money to compete with Qatar, um, that remains to be seen. What do we know about these two men, Dale? We don't know a great scale about it when it comes to football. And I think that's what fans care about most um what they're going to do for the football club and they're they're kind of they're making these promises and right now it's all a kind of bit of a PR stint um Sheik Jasm is promising to to buy the club and clear the debt which the fans would um be be very very happy about and he'd also you know, improve the infrastructure around the club improve the stadium improve the training facilities um, and that also comes with with some problems because with Qatar's human rights um, track record, Manchester United would then be accused of sports washing like clubs like Manchester City right. and like Newcastle, as we've seen. So with um, Sir Jim Radcliffe, you've got greens washing. It's not quite sports washing, but it's greens washing um, with his pharmaceutical or chemical, I'm sorry, um, company. <clears throat> So that raises other questions. But whether he has the money, as I said, Sean, to, to, to buy Manchester United and then to clear the debt, 
there's question marks about that too. He might be able to take over, but the debt would remain. I think there's a lot of Manchester United fans that would be that would be unnerved about that. It was well reported of the Glazers being open to a takeover or an outside injection of funds. Now, among those reportedly yes. offering those funds for a partial stake in the club, the American Carlyle Group and the Elliott Investment Management. What exactly would this investment mean for the club long term? It would be a disaster from a fan's point of view because it would mean the Glazers remain. Um, it's been 17 years the fans have fought against the Glazers and I think an outside investment would help them kind of stick around and see could they get more value down the line. And the point is they've taken enough or enough money out of this club. And if another American group were to come in, they'd have the same kind of ethos, the same kind of understanding of how they'd want to operate. Um, a football institution like Manchester United, they'd use it for money, they'd use it to try and maximise commercial growth. And although I understand these things are very, very important in football nowadays, it's just it's a shame that in the past 17 years, Manchester United not just fallen as a football club, but they've left the fans behind as well. And this is felt in the stands on a regular basis and something that's coming to the forefront week in, week out. Do you feel it's likely that there is a possibility of the Glazers remaining at the football club? I think it, there's a slight possibility. There's definitely echoes of that in sections of the media, but I think that's just a few um, journalists saving face and not trying to jump too prematurely with their headlines. Um, I think the Glazers are after hitting the dead end here. They're after seeing the money running out, the money that they were taking out of Manchester United, the dividends, and they didn't take a dividend at the end of last year because they owed money on a on a credit card loan. Um, so it just yeah. goes to show you how how desperate they are, um, and I do think this is this is nearing the end of the Glazers. Thankfully, I'm sure Manchester United supporters across the region, across the country, and worldwide will will hope that you are correct with that. But just to ask the question that if they were to stay, what would that mean for Manchester United moving forward? It would mean we'd stick in this hole. We'd stick in this hole, and the fans would have to continue their fight um, because. You know, we're not going to catch up with the the clubs that spend mega money every every summer. Like some fans just care about transfers, but they won't be satisfied. The fans that go to games are continuously being priced out going to games. They won't be happy and they'll have to still remain sitting in a stadium that looks decayed. Old Trafford isn't at the forefront of stadiums like it used to be and it needs a lot of work. And the Glazers are, haven't got the money to, to fix that. So I think if the Glazers stay, um, it's a disaster for Manchester United and Manchester United fans. I was obviously covering very, very recently was Ireland's iconic bid for Euro 2028. Yes. Ireland going with the UK and submitting X amount of stadiums for the tournament. And it was notable that Old Trafford was omitted from the list of entries from the UK. That's pretty substantial, isn't it? Yeah, well, you look, Sean, you go around modern stadiums, even in, in Ireland, and you go to the Aviva and then you take a trip across the pond to Old Trafford. And there's a big difference in what you call a modern stadium and Old Trafford. Old Trafford is still, for someone visiting for the first time, it's still a, it, it, it's a masterpiece. You still look at it and it's big and it's wow, there's a wow factor. But for people that, that travel there regularly, and even when you get up close, you see that it needs a lot more than a than a lick of paint. Well, look, I won't take any more of your time. A pleasure chatting with you today, Dale. We'll catch up over the coming months and see if there's been any movement from today. All the best. Five counties, one big sports show. Sports Beat Extra. That's everything for today, and it was time well spent with some of the very best from the region. 
If you have a story that you'd like to chat about, send it through to me at sport at beat102103.com. Beat Anthems is on the way after this message for all of you sports clubs across the region. Club Focus with Eco Solar Energy. The solar experts you can rely on. Make the cleaner choice. EcoSolarEnergy.ie Do you want to try your hand at winning a grand for your club? Well, if so, I have just the thing for you. Beach Club Focus is in full swing. Each month, I visit a club in the region and I give them a chance to take their place in the limelight. You get to feature on air, online and across all of our socials. At the end of the 12 months, one of the lucky clubs is going to bag themselves €1,000 bursary and that winning club will be chosen through a public vote, giving you an opportunity to attract some new members. Club Focus is part of Beat's ongoing commitment to support the work that local clubs do while also celebrating the positive impact that you all have in your local communities. So if you want to get your club involved, simply head to beat102103.com forward slash club focus to apply now. I might be seeing you very soon. Club Focus with Eco Solar Energy. The solar experts you can rely on. Make the cleaner choice. EcoSolarEnergy.ie